lights. It's seven Friday night. Welcome to the first of what will be a four-show week for us here at 7 Friday Night. I'm Chase Bryson, the Managing Editor at Sports Stars Magazine, and my co-host, Ben Enos, is here joining me as always. It's CIF State Championship Bowl week, and we're going big. As we mentioned at the top of last Tuesday's show, we're taking this circus to Mission Vallejo this Friday and Saturday for the State Bowl Games featuring Sarah, De La Salle, Pittsburgh, McClymonds, and San Ramon Valley. Our coverage starts... With this show, as we'll take a look back at NorCal Weekend with visits from Coach Terry Edson and Bellarmine San Jose running back Ben Foff. Thursday will be a full preview pod featuring CalHighSports.com editor Mark Tennis. Then finally, once we're down there, we'll post late reaction podcasts with interviews, hopefully with winners, after both nights of action. So keep an eye out on Saturday and Sunday mornings for those. Okay, phew. now let's talk football, man. Welcome to the show. I want to start by asking if you had a warm, cozy Saturday while I was being pummeled in a Pittsburgh monsoon. I could have used a friend to hold the umbrella. Just saying. Now, you, hello, everyone. You pointed out that the Pittsburgh statistician had her own umbrella assistant, correct? Yes. Okay. Well, first of all, don't our friend Janelle deserves her own <laughs> umbrella assistant. She is awesome, and I will not stand for you shaming folks here. Now. I'm not. I'm trying to shame you. <laughs> so, welcome to another week of Seven Friday Night, everyone, where shame <laughs> is routine. Anyway, yes, as we discussed last week, I will have you remember, ye of little memory, that will 100% be part of my contract negotiations <laughs> this offseason. Someone has suggested a big coat, a rain parka. I want an umbrella assistant, whatever it takes. That's right. Now. I was envious. I was quite envious. I love it. In reality, <laughs> I had some actual job responsibilities to monitor on Saturday night. So staying home had multiple purposes for me. It definitely didn't hurt that I didn't have to go stand in the rain. Work smarter, not harder, Chase. <laughs> now, speaking of not working smarter, you issued the press box and elected to stand in the elements all night long. So let me share with the good people of internet land exactly what I told you when we talked on Saturday night. As I said on last week's show, I spent all season trying to become a competent photographer, trying my best to get better. Personal growth, baby. That's where I'm at in my life. <laughs> then we get to the last week of the season. You take the insanity option, decide not to stand where it's dry and where you have friends, where you would have been welcomed in. You pull your cell phone out and take like the iconic photo of Victor Galley's final season. Are you kidding me right now? <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, why do I even try? Yes. I got a little lucky. Yeah. Sometimes you have to get lucky. Well, even Jose Carlos Fajardo will tell you that. <laughs> the great Joe Carl. Yes. All right. Anyway, that's that was Saturday night. We're going to talk all about it. The people know now what we talk about, even when we're not recording, and sometimes when we think we're recording, but we really aren't. <laughs> this is our relationship, people. You've lived it for two years now. So with all that said, there's no better place to start this week. Tell us what you saw on a rain-soaked night in Pittsburgh, California, that minstrels will write songs about. <laughs> What happened at Pittsburgh on Saturday? Well, during last week's show, we said the Pirates had to put everything together at the same time for once if they were going to advance last week. And that's kind of just what they did. And more impressive, they did it in those conditions. That The rain literally never stopped. It was raining from the time I got there, which was an hour before the game, to the time I left, which was at about 930 at night. So... Uh, it never let up. I don't know if I've been at a game where there hasn't at least been a slight break in the rain. Like that was constant, and it was just. I mean, that's all I can say. It's just constant, constant wet. So it was. Uh, it was really impressive that they did it in those conditions. So the, the defense was really good once again for Pittsburgh. 
The offensive line had probably its best game too, winning a lot of one-on-one battles to spring Elijah Bowe into the second level quite often. And Jane Rashada made some big-time throws in big moments to Zach Card, who made some big-time catches. Um, they also had a relatively disciplined game as well, committing just five penalties for 35 yards and not turning the ball over. And like we said, Blake Nicholson of Manteca, Thor to his fans, he got his, like we said he would. He rushed for 167 yards on 32 carries, but the Pirates only let him in the end zone once, which was huge. And I said of the defense that showed up in the North Coast Section Championship against Slayton Valley showed up again, Pittsburgh would win. And the Pirates forced four turnovers on downs. So it was pretty cool. Coach Victor Galli got carried, carried by players in his last game at Pirate Stadium, and they get a revenge storyline this week against Liberty Bakersfield. Uh, we're bordering on the script almost being too Hollywood at this point. That's yeah, us, Hollywood. <laughs> I mean, uh, two things in reaction to that. One, Zach Card made a big play. Hmm, where have we heard this before? (laughs) Zach Card seems to make lots of big plays. Zach Card will make big plays in the Pac-12. Yes, he will. My words. Uh, Second, you're going to love this. As we were going to pick up pizza so that I could settle in and watch some (laughs) of these games on the internet, we were discussing the fact that it's isn't it just kind of too crazy that we go an entire season. What week are we in? Like 15 or 16, something yeah, like 15, that. 15, I think. Yep. They have not had to play in the rain all year. Yeah. And these teams had to go out in the biggest moment of the year with the season on the line, elimination game, and the teams that played Saturday night had to play in the rain. So it's just sometimes it's just not fair. <laughs> It was, a, it was a pretty cool moment to, to see it happen uh, if you were a Pittsburgh fan, that's for sure. Um, and I'll, I will say that fans traveled fairly well considering the weather. Uh, there was a fair amount of uh, Manteca supporters there, and they maybe filled up two-thirds of the Pittsburgh side, which was pretty good. And the band played on, and that was cool too. So, Adding to your night of great photography and videos <laughs> and multimedia excellence. <laughs> All right, let's dial it back a night and revisit Friday when you actually worked. Where you saw a really good grant performance and met a celebrity from your alma mater. Give us the scoop. You see, we've spent so much time bagging on me for staying warm and dry on Saturday night, but it took us all the way until now to acknowledge that on Friday night, it was freaking freezing at El Cerrito (laughs) High School. Absolutely bitter cold. The breeze from the bay it was actually blowing onto the. It was blowing offshore. It was going away from the stadium, which is very uncharacteristic of El Cerrito High School. Um, yes, I did watch a game. Thank you very much. And it was a thirty-six to seven win for Grant. And while I will get to the Pacers shortly, I need to start by recognizing a fantastic season for the Gauchos. They had a great senior core. I went to uh, Jermaine Hargraves after the game and said, man, he was standing watching a celebration. And I just said, man, there's a lot to be proud of this year uh, because I've gotten to know those guys a little bit this year. Just a solid, solid group of players, coaches, administrators, the whole nine yards. Credit to El Cerrito for a good year and they're going to have a lot coming back next year. El Strudo's not going anywhere. Trust me. Now, we got to talk about the Grant Pacers. <laughs> the, the G is back, people. <laughs> I was not shocked in the slightest that the Pacers came out and played as well as they did. Let's do a quick history lesson here because we're going to talk about De La Salle and Folsom in a bit. Chase, when the state bowl games first became a thing, yes, we're, that, we're old enough to remember that, <laughs> Can you remember the good folks who were De La Salle's primary foil for NorCal supremacy? It was Grant. That would be the Grant Pacers. Yeah. So you have to keep in mind that we're not so far removed from the Pacers, not just playing for bowl appearances, but playing for open division bowl appearances. So that's what was in town to take on El Cerrito on Friday. Now, history lesson aside, there is so much to like about this football team. JoJo McCray has insane numbers at quarterback for Grant, and he showed it on Friday. I thought he was really good. He has several big-time options to throw to. The run game is effective as well because they have the big boys up front led by Alani Noah. Now, Grant gets to host its state title game. 
And San Jacinto better be ready for what they're going to find <laughs> when they get to Del Paso Heights. It is going to be rocking on Saturday night in Sacramento. So, yeah, just super impressed with Grant. Um, but let me wrap up my recap <laughs> of my night with a funny story that I've already shared with you. My longtime childhood friend and former El Cerrito NCS champion coach, Kenny Kahn, who is now a principal in the Castro Valley area, was in attendance Friday night. So it was great to catch up with him a little bit. In the third quarter, I was wandering down the sideline, as is my custom, and he stopped me to introduce me to someone. He introduced his friend as Aaron, and we had some pleasant small talk before I turned to head up field and keep watching the game. Only I took one step, and I figured out the one thing that I forgot. I turned back and said, oh, you're that Aaron. It was at that point that I wished my fellow gaucho, Mr. Starting Left Guard for your San Francisco 49ers, Aaron Banks, well on Sunday against the Miami Dolphins. Maybe the gauchos didn't prevail on Friday, but I know the 49ers did, and that was because of Mr. Banks and the boy. So great to meet him. Good dude, fellow gaucho. That was pretty cool. I almost, almost made a fool of myself, but not quite. <laughs> Not quite. I got a kick out of that story when you told me on, on uh, Friday night. Yeah. It was, it was you're, you're locked in the game. I like to believe that I was locked yeah. into the game. I wasn't paying attention. And then it kind of hit me. He's <laughs> kind of a big deal. <laughs> not, a, not a whole lot of NFL players from El Cerrito. Got a couple, but he is crushing it for the Niners right now. So, um, yeah, great to see him out supporting, uh, supporting his alma mater. That's very cool. Yeah. You got in the car Friday night, you know, busting from your tradition, <laughs> and you found a team and coaching staff willing to trust their guys in the season's biggest moments. Tell us about the latest chapter in the De La Salle Folsom saga. All right. Well, I won't go super deep into this one because we'll touch on it with Coach Edson later, but I, I thought that that was a really good De La Salle win. Yes, they had a few critical turnovers. But they didn't spiral early after Folsom scored on, on a Greco Carrillo scoop and score. They just answered with 17 points in the second quarter, and then the defense went to work. They sacked Austin Mack five times and pressured him on several other moments. They're just a different defense with, with Chase Tofiano in there, and, and I know that Coach Edson's going to echo that later. Um, and then after Folsom pulled it within three points midway through the fourth quarter, the Spartans pounded out a seven-minute, 45-second clock-killing drive We've seen it all before. He's converting on two fourth downs by the nose of the football. It was just impressive. Charles Greer and Derek Blanche are really good one-two punch now. Both had good nights running at running back for the Spartans, each going over 100 yards. It was just a good gutsy win. And I don't think you could really fault Folsom at all. I mean, they gave a great effort too. They just they just came up short and literally like inches short a couple times on that final drive. They could have got the ball back and they would have had a chance. Um, I really think. Folsom's defense uh, deserves some credit because uh, definitely down the stretch, they were probably the best best side of the ball for Folsom. Um, and Carrillo was certainly one of those guys. Slade Wilson had another really good game. Diallo Washington uh, was actually really good as well. Had a, two or three tackles for loss that were critical in keeping the, uh, uh, keeping the Spartans off the field. So a good game, another good chapter in the rivalry. I hope they continue to play because the games are always really good. So if you don't know anything about what happened to Folsom on Friday night, I implore you, and maybe this is just going to be a chase love fest tonight, oh, which absolutely sickens me, but I, I can't get around this one. <laughs> you got to read Chase's story about the way it went down at the end of this game with Derek Thompson and the trust that Justin Allenbaugh has in his guys to make a big call in a big spot. You want to know what the secret sauce is at Dallas out. We've said this all the time. It's the cliched brotherhood, but it's the ability for those guys to trust in one another and know that when it's really the critical moment that those guys know exactly what to do. And so I, I just thought, you know, Derek Thompson, we've talked about him all year long. He's going to go down as one of those unforgettable Spartans through history. And that moment, no matter how they do this week at state, that moment will be remembered in Dallas South football for a long time, I think. Yeah, I agree. 
if they get a W on uh, on Friday night, maybe we'll have to get Mr. Thompson on the pod, on Love the it. reaction pod. So he'd be a good one. Should we talk about something else? There were some interesting things. I mean, interesting uh, results, and it was a good NorCal weekend. What stood out? Yeah, we've we've covered a lot of ground this weekend, both in going to games and watching games and uh, <laughs> news and notes. Let me really throw a big shock at people. I'm going to shout out the North Coast section. I did it on Twitter on Saturday night, and I'm going to do it in this spot. First of all, Panola Valley, state champion, Division 7 AA state title, beat Mendota 34-21 to on Saturday. So you got to give big congrats to Coach McConico, our friend Kibby Kleiman, and the Spartan faithful. Tremendous, tremendous accomplishment for those guys. Now, Panola is one of five NCS schools to reach the state bowl round. With Pittsburgh, De La Salle, San Ramon Valley, and San Marin, those Mustangs, <laughs> also joining in the fun. I'll say I did watch the first half of the SRV Marin Catholic game, and I was enjoying it before the NFHS stream stopped working. Now, tough weather night, not going to bag on anybody's technical issues here. That they got a half out of it was pretty impressive. But I was then able to switch to the second half of San Marin's game and saw them uh, hold off a comeback attempt by Menlo. Um, San Ramo Valley, a couple of huge second half field goals from Austin Shelton uh, to knock off Marin Catholic and punch their ticket to SoCal. Uh, I want to shout out John Paul Mendoza, their running back, who busted a big run in the first half and in really inclement weather. Remember we said on last week's show, how would that affect teams? Uh, it limited San Ramon Valley's ability to pass. Also, the fact that Caleb Madrid had to come out with an injury probably had something to do with that. But Mendoza picked up the slack in the first half, at least from what I saw. And so in a battle of running backs, which, oh, yeah, that's what we all predicted between <laughs> Catholic and San Ramon Valley. Uh, San Ramon Valley hung in. They gritted it out. Uh, you can... You can knock the NCS's format all you want, have at it, but they have five section teams playing for state titles. I, I find it hard to find fault with that. Yeah, me too. And this is not a one-time thing either. Um, I think I'm, I'll plan on mentioning it later uh, later this week in our Thursday pod. But, I mean, they this is the last couple of years they've had three, four, I think 2019 they had seven. I'm sure the the system will continue to have its detractors, and there's, it's not a perfect system, but they do get a lot of teams to all the way to the end, and and then those teams have success, and we'll talk about that on Thursday as well. Definitely a good weekend for the North Coast section. Um, and you mentioned it, Saramon Valley, and uh, Saramon Valley is one of so I mean we're technically De La Salle, not an EBL team, but. If you count them as pseudo EBAL, you have three different leagues with two teams that moved on. You know, Saramon Valley and De La Salle from the EBAL. The Trans Valley League had both of their teams move on, Escalon and Houston. And then the West Catholic Athletic League, who we've talked about all year since Sarah and Bellarmine. So, yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, lots of love to go around this week, but let's, uh, let's spread it around a little and let's move on to a team that i have watched several times digitally and who i saw in person last season you just referenced them the bellarmine bells will play for the division 3a state bowl championship this weekend after a 35 to 21 win over vanden that trade dimes magic in the norcal final we've we've talked about this a lot this year but we figured the bells to be a real contender before the season and injuries throughout the year put that plan on the shelf for a little while they persevered, though, and a huge credit to head coach Jalal Beachman and his staff for keeping that belief going within the locker room. Once they got healthy, they were ready to make a run. So, Chase, who should we talk to to talk Dunnerman football? Uh, I think I've already given it away at the top. <laughs> I teed it right up. It was right there. <laughs> Guys who were ready to run once healthy. Yes. It is senior running back Ben <laughs> Uh, Faf, Faf, yes, Faf. We ask him how to say it. Uh, he's been so key to the Bell's success. He scored a pair of touchdowns in the win over Vanden. His return provided a huge late season boost as Bellerman turned things around to reach the final weekend of the season. We are excited to welcome Ben onto this week's show to 
talk about all things Bellarmine, what the season's been like, what the excitement level is on their San Jose campus this week, and why this week's show is officially all about the Benjamins. <laughs> Let's check out what he has to say. All right. So we're pleased to bring another athlete on the show and welcome in Ben Foff of Bellarmine High in San Jose. Ben rushed for 140 yards and two touchdowns on Saturday night to help lift the Bells to a 35-21 win over Vanden Fairfield in the CIF Division 3A Northern Regional. The win will allow the Bells to host Laguna Hills for their first CIF State Bowl appearance since 2015 and their fourth overall. Lots of excitement on West Heading Street. Welcome, Ben. Sure. All right. Thank you guys for having me. You know, I'm really excited to, to be here, answer some questions. You know, really excited about the win. So right on. Yeah. Well, we're going to start by praising Chase for getting us an interview subject with the best first name. This week is truly all about the Benjamins on seven Friday night. Had to mention that first. Um, ben, we got to start with the fun stuff. What was the atmosphere like when the final buzzer sounded on Saturday night? And what was that feeling like once you knew that the Bells were heading to a state bowl championship? Oh, oh man, that's indescribable. I mean, it was really just a great experience. I mean, we'd been, it's been a long season, a lot of highs and lows, and just like getting that satisfaction of like securing the win going on the state. Uh, it just really makes every all the work we put in like feel worth it, and it really is just like a moment of just like pure joy and happiness, and just really just thankful for everyone around you. We know we made a point here on the show during you know during the season that you yourself have gone through some adversity this year. You had a high ankle sprain that kept you out for four weeks. What was that like? You know, um, have you ever had a ankle a high ankle sprain before? And, and what was that like? Just kind of getting back and and watching your team struggle. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was really tough. It was, part, it was definitely the low point of my season, you know. Um, it's actually it's the first high ankle sprain I've had on that ankle. I've had uh, other um, in the past on my other ankle. Uh, but it was just really disappointing that it came at such a, a crucial time in the season, right, when league was starting. And uh, it just really uh, was just – it just hurts to see your team out there working really hard and you can't really do much about it. And then, you know, we were going through struggles during that time. And it just – it sucks to – have to watch and not be being able to contribute to you know helping that turn around so i mean i gotta give all the thanks in my world too to our athletic training staff you know mr o'shea uh mr moreno and mr lamas uh, they do just a fantastic job with all of our uh just all of our players at bellarmine to just making sure we're healthy giving us rehab uh just helping us out every step of their way so those guys are like the main reason that i'm able to play right now so i'm really grateful for that athletic trainers without question the unsung heroes of high performing programs um well you guys have uh you've gotten red hot since the postseason kicked in and i'm curious to know if there was a point where you guys looked around and said you know maybe we've got something special in us was it was it a game like valley christian to end the regular season or maybe the playoff opener against ma or have you guys known all along that if you got healthy with the guys that you needed to get healthy that you'd be ready to roll as a group. Yeah. So, I mean, it's funny how you bring up that, um, you know, we've kind of known it all along uh, since our freshman year you know, our 2023 class had a really successful freshman year winning WCL and, you know, going undefeated. So I think with the same coaching staff we have now. So I think that since that point, we've known that like we're capable of being a special class and doing something special and like, that was our main emphasis at this point uh, this year. Like when things got tough, we just knew like we were kept faith in our team and knew that we could end up being something special. So like when we ended up uh, starting getting healthy and starting executing and we knew that like um, once we beat Valley Christian and sort of got the momentum going to where, okay, like we're back on track now, like that we can still turn the season around if we have faith in, in, you know, our teammates and our coaching staff and that we can just start executing better. And so I think we've known all along, but then that Valley Christian one really kickstarted us and just led us onto this winning streak that we're on now. Who in your mind is, has, have been the guys that have really stepped up during this stretch run um, and really kind of pushed this, this team um, to where it's at now? Oh, I just want to shut the whole defense. I mean, I <laughs> shut out. all 11 starters on, I mean, I, I mean, Brandon Brock, Javon Reels, Jake Hansen. I mean, our whole secondary. 
Um, you know, just a, a lot of young playmakers, you know, Jacob Tatum, uh, Reese McKeever making plays, uh, you know, the seniors, like John Piero makes plays. Jay, I can't say enough about Javon and Brandon. Those guys fly around, you know, getting sacks, getting TFLs, Jay Canson causing turnovers. You know, I mean, those guys have really been our strong suit all year. And when the offense is at its lowest point, they do a great job of picking us up and giving us opportunities to stay in games. And I think that our key uh, in this run that we've gone in is the offense figuring it out and just getting our defense off the field because those guys are just great at getting stops and turnovers. Um, and so they do a really good job of just giving our offense opportunity. But, of course, like our offensive line is great. Uh, Nate Escalada, our quarterback, uh, just a great leader, just a really motivational and inspiring, you know, player on the team. And then our receiving group has gotten this, got a, a lot of changes this year, a lot of adversity, a lot of injuries with our receivers. But towards the end, um, uh, during the playoffs here, they've really started to step up and really started to take accountability and started to make plays, and it's been huge for us. One thing that's kind of been unique about this run, and I'm sure it's helped the cause, is that you've had the ability the last two weeks, and you'll get the ability again next week, the biggest games of the year have come on home turf. How much has the Bellarmine community helped you guys accomplish what you have these last couple of weeks? Oh, I mean, it's, it really worked out uh, well for us, you know, getting the NorCal game and then now the state game going to be at home as well as the uh, CCS championship game all at home. I mean, that's just been awesome. The community's great. Uh, they've been supportive all year. Um, and it was really exciting to see well, once we uh, made the playoffs, they didn't, I didn't really think that, especially the alumni, the guys who played Bellman uh, football in the past, and, you know, all of our parents are very supportive of us. They always had our backs. They always rooted for us. Um, you know, the guys who were seniors last year and the guys that I'm, like, really close with now, like, really just have a really strong bond with, and it's, it's different with it not being with them not being here. But they always have been supportive, always had our backs, you know, really just – it's going to be big, especially with the state game, to have the community behind us because I think it's going to give us a huge boost of just confidence and um, just a huge boost of energy. What do you um, what do you guys know so far about Laguna Hills? Have you done any film work already, or what um, what have you learned? Uh, so I'm not I haven't uh, watched a lot of film on them yet. Uh, I think we just got the our huddle release today. That's probably this afternoon. Uh, so I'll have to check into that. But we know they're going to be a very good football team, of course. I mean, they're here for a reason as well. Uh, I'm pretty sure their record's uh, something like 14-1 and one maybe or 13-1, and one, something with a lot of wins and not a lot of losses. So we know that they, they know how to win football games. They're going to be a tough team. It's going to be a four-quarter football game for sure. And uh, they, they're going to bring it. I mean, this is their last game too, so they got nothing to lose as well. So it's it's really all for the marbles, and we know that we're going to have to bring it on Saturday. Uh there are some people out there that would contest that that teams that have a losing record should not make it in to the playoffs. Ben, make a case for why it's important for like a four and six team to get in there and why it mattered to you guys to get in and, and what you've done. I mean, uh, just obviously being in the WCAL, that's the most obvious part. Um, just a lot of great teams, a lot of great athletes, a lot of great coaches in our league. I mean, it's all around the board. You got teams like St. Francis, Sarah, Mitty stepping it up this year, Sagadar Cathedral with playmakers. I mean, Reardon's got young talent. St. Ignatius, they made it all the way to CCS uh, finals as well. I mean, just so many great teams. Uh, in the league, that it's, it's such a competitive league that I think everyone from the league deserves a shot uh, to <laughs> make the playoffs, honestly. Um, but there's also a lot of circumstances that go on during the season. Uh, uh, just like, you know, as, as I've said a lot, as I mentioned a lot, a lot of controversy, and not controversy, but more just um, like obstacles. And, you know, being able to get the opportunity to make the playoffs after that happens and sort of figure it out uh, in the playoffs has really given us, like, our our chance, like, the, uh, this year and really turned our season around. So I'm really grateful for that. And I just think that in the league that we play in, you know, it's just right if, if most teams have a chance because, um, you know, just a lot of competitive football teams and just a lot of great players. I'll never forget uh... – Going into this year's playoffs, we talked to Wilcox's head coach, Paul Rosa, and we were talking specifically about St. Ignatius getting mm -hmm. the number two seed in that bracket. And yeah. and he said, you know, they're four and six, but and this is coming from the top seeded team. He goes, right. if you're looking at the teams on the field, that's probably right. <laughs> and yeah. so, mm -hmm. you know, that that's 
I, I think that says all you need to know about the strength of the West Catholic Athletic League. Right. Two teams playing on this week, uh, obviously you guys and Sarah heading south. So yep. it's just another great year of football in the WCAL. And um, that, uh, Chase, you got anything else? Uh, yeah, Leslie, I I was just I was reading the story uh, that the uh, the East Bay Times did about you guys or the Mercury News, I guess mm-hmm. Merc- Mercury News uh, did about the game, and your coach said you were built like a brick house. Coach Beesterman, I love Coach. He, he's always supportive of us. You know, always giving us compliments, always looking out for us, <laughs> even if there's funny, you know, references and stuff. <laughs> right on, man. That's- that's fantastic. Well, uh, that'll do it for us, Ben. We want to say thanks for hopping on, and we want to remind everyone that the CIF Division Three A State Bowl Championship between Bellarmine and Laguna Hills is set for six p.m. Saturday in San Jose. If you can't get to it, if you can't get to the game, may I suggest following Bellarmine Football on Twitter? Because as we wrote about before the year, the Bells do it right on digital. So, you know, shout out there too. Shout out Coach Ronald. Shout out Brendan Ronalds for that. That's right. Change the game. That's right. Uh, ben, thanks again. Good luck this week to you and all the Bells. Uh, thank you guys so much. It's been a good time. All right. Thanks, Ben. All right. You guys have a good one. You too. Thanks, man. Great interview with uh, Ben Foff, proving once again that it is the best first name ever. Now, let us transition from Bellarmine football to our own personal consultant. Another visit from Coach Terry Edson. We have a lot to talk about. He was at De La Salle Folsom. Chase was at De La Salle Folsom. We might talk about De La Salle Folsom. You never know. Let's see what the ball coach has to say for himself this week. Well, we welcome Coach Terry Edson into the show, and let's just call this what it is. The consultant knew what to expect last week when it came to what went down in Folsom. And he shared it with us here on this very podcast. Terry, have you considered opening a consulting firm? You could help hundreds of coaches from engaging in dumb football. <laughs> yeah, well, you could be my agent. You can get the gig. I'll give you 10% if there's any you know, financial reward in that. I would think about it. Yeah, sure. Love it. I doubt there really is. So, so let's just bag that idea now. Well, Coach, let's start with Friday night's gritty win for the Spartans. To me, <laughs> I thought it was the most vintage De La Salle-like performance out of that team this season, from the relentless defense to the execution of the run game. But what was a humble consultant such as yourself most happy to see? Uh, that we got out of the game without any major injuries. That was uh, important. Um yeah, it, well, <laughs> it it was old time Spartan football, but without the points, <laughs> we scored seventeen in the first half, and we ended up with seventeen. So that wasn't too much of a vintage Spartan team. We had three turnovers in a championship game and hung on. And I, I gotta give the defense all the credit in the world for um, I thought they did a spectacular job and. It's just amazing in, in high school football, you know, at least I, 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 it's hard for, I can't watch them personally because I'm trying to watch everything for them. And, but when, what I did see wherever Chase Tofiano lined up, wherever he was trying to block, it was going backwards. That's, and he, he, his addition to the defense is, is I think has helped our defense step it up one more notch. He's just a huge problem on the run in the pass for teams. So, but the the whole defense played great all night. We did lose Peter Rockwell, so I shouldn't say that um, we got out injury free. We did have one injury to our linebacker there, but the kids stepped it up. I thought there. I was looking at their pass defense. Their pass defense was pretty spot on all, all game long. Um, we gave our offense chance after chance, you know, and uh, um, the I was really it was kind of interesting. You know, they scored, made it 17-14, and um, Coach Gron is on the headphones. He's like, all right, let's do a seven-minute 46, you know, seven-minute 46-second drive. <laughs> I, just go, I go, yeah, that'd be nice. And sure enough, they had a seven-minute 46-second uh, drive and uh, iced the game. So that that last drive definitely was old-time Spartan football for sure, controlling the ball, controlling the clock, 
And that was a really gritty win. And I'm really happy for the kids. You know, at the end of the day, those three losses, they're going to state. And, yeah. you know, and you can wipe those off the plate now. And they have a chance. And I think a legitimate chance at a state championship here. And, uh, you know, it was a, definitely a year of growth and learning of a lot of young kids. But And the coaches, I mean, they all hung in there. We made a few tweaks and might have simplified things a little bit on offense and defense. And that, I think that made a huge difference to our team as we moved on. And uh, we're playing our best football, especially defensively right now. And if you have a good defense, you got a shot. I'm curious where you would rank Derek Thompson on just all-time Spartan like alphas. He's <laughs> playing with two two braces and a broken foot. Um, I don't think he missed a snap on offense. Right. We, we, we had an award when I was coaching. I, I don't know if they still do it. And it wasn't, it was just a kid that showed a lot of heart and guts and, you know, working through, you know, injuries. We called it the iron Spartan award. And um, Derek Thompson wins that hands down. I don't know if they're still doing that award, but at the end of your banquet, but he wins that award hands down. He is a, a gutty player. Um, and he puts it all on the line, you know, and it would make a great leader. You like a guy like that as a leader because they're just not, they don't just, you know, talk the talk, they walk the talk. And so, you know, there's nobody, if Derek's saying something to players about picking it up, and what are you going to say to him? Well, look at you. (laughs) The guy has shown tremendous heart throughout his, you know, all his years here in Spartan land and, you know, and I know Derek, I taught Derek and he, he's a, a great kid, comes from a great family. And, um, you know, Harvard's got, you know, he, he he's what I would say is your, I mean, as a football player, just as a human being, uh, what I would say from Del Salle, just a typical kid that from our program that goes to the Ivy League. I mean, he's going to be, do a great job at Harvard. They're going to love him there, guaranteed. And, um that young man's going to do something with his life. And uh, I'm really looking forward to his future as well as I'm looking forward to his last game here Saturday night or Friday night. I can confirm from reading our friend Darren Sabager this morning, the Iron Spartan Award does exist, and that will not be the last reference to it on today's show. <laughs> oh, okay. I, you know, I really, I don't really know. I haven't gotten to a banquet in three years. So yep. uh, I've been invited, but I've just, you know, kindly rejected. <laughs> you're a hard guy to get in an event (laughs) aside from the obvious one which of the norcal teams that won last week were you most happy to see advance to a state bowl lots of options there well you know uh he's a friend of mine so obviously vic galley is the guy i wanted to see advance and uh last year going you know i know vic i know his whole family been known him for years so to to see you know him go out um, to go out on the, on the, on his stage here on the state stage and for his last game, you know, regardless of what happens, you know, that he made it, but you know, how beautiful is this? He gets to go against Liberty, the team that knocked him out of NorCal's last year. So he's told, I talked to him yesterday. He's totally excited about that. Um, and, um, I thought it was a great game they played against Manteca. Uh, that went kind of the way I thought, although you didn't give me that game to pick, which would have been nice because I would have gotten that one right for sure. But uh, he, uh, you know, was really excited and gets to play, and he gets to play in front of Patrick Walsh, you know, another Spartan that had a, you know, Patrick's been doing a great job at Sarah for years, but now here he is on the big stage. He's got his work cut out for him, obviously, but two Spartan head coaches playing back-to-back, I think it's just wonderful. Three Spartan head coaches, as we were informed this weekend by our consultant, that three Spartan graduates will be taking their teams into battle this weekend. Uh, three Spartan graduates that also coached in the Delosal football program as well. There so you go. We're pretty proud of that. And I'm, but nothing that any Justin, uh, Vic, or um, Patrick, whatever they whatever they do, in the coaching world, nothing will ever surprise me. Well, speaking of things that can have a tendency to surprise, uh, for the first time in the short history of our world-renowned show, we get to ask you this question. You've been to plenty of bowl games with the Spartans. As a coach, 
What is the biggest key to managing the travel involved, the anticipation of playing such a big game and getting everyone where they need to be? And be mindful once you answer. I have a very important follow-up to this question. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, the, the number one thing that you, you try to do is because you, you're, you're going to be traveling um, – you know, down to LA, you try to keep things as normal as possible. So something we learned along the way is, first of all, if we as we get on the bus, and we've flown down in bus, and in reality, both of them are kind of pain in the butt when you have 75 kids. So I, I really think really traveling by bus, probably the easiest part. One thing we learned along the way, though, you know, we make sure they have, they have they're hydrated, they have food along the way. And something we learned also, we will stop and let them stretch out for like a half hour, get them drinks and let them just kind of move around a little bit. We found that was, was really important. Um, the hardest part is it's just the whole, you know, you got you to facilitate a practice field. You have to facilitate the food at the hotel and make sure you got you to pair up all the players and you got to put the right guys together in rooms. Um and one thing we learned along the way too is after the game, either give them to their parents or go home. We have stayed afterwards. That was a huge mistake leaving the next day because especially if you win uh, the complaints we got from management and staying <laughs> up to, and running around saying, get the bed, you know, at 2 a.m. Yeah. So uh, that was, we learned our lesson there. Just like game's over. You're with your parents or you're taking the bus and home we go. The only thing you worry about that I always worried about is making sure kids didn't forget every, anything. So we will actually along the way, some, I don't know if anybody else does this, but they will actually turn uh, their gear in and we take it down separately. Uh, and they'll turn after Wednesday's practice, they're going to turn everything in just to make sure we have everything. So that there's no, you know, oh, I forgot this. And believe me, we've been to championship games where kids have said, I didn't bring my helmet. And that's always fun. Uh, so um, I'm imagining you reacted well to that. I did. Uh, no, they, this was, I'll be, that's a good point, Ben. This is exactly what happened. Three coaches came up to me and said, okay, we're going to tell you something right now. You can't <laughs> yell at this kid. <laughs> warned me ahead of time and said you could not we don't need him going in the tank before the game starts that's like okay what happened so they know me pretty well over here at Spartanland but um yeah so we we throw all their gear so their gear actually they it makes it to the to the practice site even before we get down there and then we give them their travel bags and, and away we go so that's something we to eliminate any issues as well and then in actuality, the night before the game is really simple uh, because the kids are, you know, they go to practice, we go to team dinner, and then we have our team meeting. And by the time with the travel and all that, they're pretty exhausted. Getting them to bed is not really an issue. The problem is, is that Friday, it's, it's hard to, you know, when you're playing at eight o'clock, you got all day in a hotel room. So... That becomes a little bit of a problem. Uh, the kids, you know, they got to find a way just to stay focused. And they're probably going to have a film session and just and probably do, they might even do a walkthrough in the hotel and we'll have our prayer service. We got trying to keep them busy. That's the main things. They're just not sitting around. That's the only issue. But outside of that, um, it's pretty much business as usual. So here's the important follow-up. And it's a question that maybe only you can answer. It's such a big weekend. Everyone's all, you know, there's logistics. Everyone's keyed up. For all the coaches out there going to a bowl game, from your perspective, what is the key to making sure you don't miss the team bus to the game? And if you do miss the team bus to the game, how do you adjust? Well, uh, a, a player has never missed the team bus to the game in the history of all the times he'd been down to the bowl games. It's really been only one person that has been left behind, and we all know who that is, or you wouldn't have brought up the question, Ben. And um, I, I may have witnessed this firsthand. This is what happens when they change the time when the bus is leaving in the in, in, on Saturday afternoon, 
and text everyone except me. As I've sat on a bus for a half hour to an hour waiting for Coach Latticer to show up uh, to get on the bus. So I've always tried to time it like I'm not getting there early because then I just end up waiting 10, 15 minutes. So I went for the, the time that I was told at noon that we were leaving. And when I walked down there, I realized no one was around. <laughs> and I'm imagining you took this well as well. Yeah, I took that really well. Yeah. It was like, they left me. Okay. That's good. I believe it's a favorite story of one coach Latticer. Oh yeah. There's so many of them. We don't have time right now <laughs> to go through all of them, but uh, yeah, that's not the first time that happened by the way. So. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, finally, as we wrap up this segment, Ben and I learned this morning while reading the Monday morning package of East Bay Times writer Darren Saavedra that Coach Allenbaugh and his wife Teresita welcomed a baby daughter this weekend. <laughs> it's their third child, and they named her Isabel. So I have two questions. Were you named baby Isabel's godfather? And <laughs> did you and Mrs. Edson ever have any close calls like this in terms of one of your daughters arriving right after or right before a big game? <laughs> Uh, no, because, uh, my wife, I don't know what she's got some superpower or something like that, but she had it planned that we were going to have babies in July and we couldn't think about starting, uh, having children until she had the specific month worked out. And I kept saying, what happens, you know, if you don't get pregnant right away, she goes, Oh, I'm going to get pregnant right away. I go, you can't call that. She goes, Oh yes, I can. And my daughter's birthdays, July 6th and July 27th. So, yes, she could plan it. She planned to have summer babies so it wouldn't interfere with football season and her dance studio. It was incredible. They're three weeks apart on different years. Yeah, she's she's unbelievable. I don't know. I told Alaba when his wife was pregnant, you know, but he told me when she was pregnant, I go, when does that baby do? And he's told me the date. So I go, that was really poor planning on your part. <laughs> but she's a trooper, man. Teresita's a trooper. She waited till that game was over. Then she said, okay, let's some contractions start up. It's fine. So that is hilarious. Yeah. Our and, earlier uh, reference, also Darren included Justin's quote in his story this morning that the Iron Spartan Award, there's some uh, movement towards giving it to Teresita. Oh, yeah. You, you could definitely make a, a, uh, an argument for her as well. No well, godfather this time? <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> you know, he has family and things. I know. Is she uh, there, Chase? Okay. So, you know. Checking. <laughs> you, you can consult. <laughs> I, I am Coach, La I'm Coach, Coach Lattis, sir. I am uh, what are you, Michael. I'm his godfather. Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, that, that'll do it. Uh, we will be back Thursday, not for picks, but for a look ahead at what uh, is coming this weekend, perhaps with our own spin on introducing the world, the NorCal world, to Lincoln of San Diego. So that'll do it for today. We will see you on Thursday. Okay, boys, right, take it easy. Yep. All the best birthdays fall in July, right, Ben? Mrs. Edson right. knew it was up. Yep. I'm just saying. It'll, uh, it'll be fun to have our favorite consultant down south this Friday. And as you mentioned, we'll talk with them again Thursday to get his thoughts on their state bowl matchup. Now let's put a bow on this episode. I heard you've been practicing the final read in front of a mirror. Is that true? Uh, I do lots of things in front of a mirror. <laughs> that ain't one of them. <laughs> I got a pack, man. <laughs> you know how long it's been since I've traveled to one of these things? This is like a week of preparation. Get your right. mind right. <laughs> then let's do the fun read. Well, we'd like to thank Bellarmine running back Ben Foff once more for joining us, as well as Coach Edson for making his weekly drop-in. We build seven Friday night using Anchor, but the show is available on several platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. If you listen to shows on one of those platforms, search for seven Friday night, and please rate, subscribe, and review all of the above. Each of our episodes also get their own dedicated page on Sports Stars Magazine's web home, sportsstarsmag.com. You can stream the episode there, find links to the various other platforms, and check out a variety of bonus items that we sometimes include. Also, follow the show on Twitter at, at Sports Stars Pods, and you should also be following Sports Stars Magazine 
and at SportsStarsMag. That's where you'll get all the latest updates on upcoming guests and more. It's definitely where you should be this weekend when we are in SoCal. Our show's main cover art features photography and design by yours truly. Ben would also like it noted that he contributes several photos to our episode pages. And finally, our theme music was performed and produced by Dustin Phillips. And that will do it. What do you got for final thoughts? Final thoughts. I've used all my thoughts, I think. I've been talking (laughs) a lot. Uh, So I'll do a bit of a preview. We will do a bit of a preview of the weekend to come on Thursday. But for now, I suppose we should just devote an entire segment to your pursuit of a Brock Purdy jersey, right? (laughs) No? Yeah. Maybe? I'd be, uh, maybe. I'll get you an Aaron Banks jersey. So we'll stick to high school school football uh in, in and we'll take a wait and see approach on brock purdy i'm with you I'm okay okay yeah uh i do want to use this piece of the pod to shout out some of the fan bases that are heading to state games this weekend i mean let's take a let's really take a look at some of these teams sarah and de la salle have committed fan bases that have always supported their teams uh, because they're used to being in these positions <laughs> let's be honest uh that success just comes with a lot of support Pittsburgh is heading south, and as we mentioned earlier, if you saw the scenes of a rain-soaked Pirate Stadium last weekend, you don't need any convincing that that community is ready to roll with its team. Although, PSA to the Pittsburgh High Marching Show Band, if you don't show up next weekend, Chase (laughs) might come after you. (laughs) Like He will be very disappointed. I very much want to see it happen. So Load up the buses. Let's go. (laughs) I'm just saying. Um how about, I mean, let's roll on. Those famous Pacers for life, uh, they packed the visiting stands at El Cerrito on Friday, and Albergini Field is going to be jumping this weekend. We asked Ben Foff about the Bellarmine fans. You know they're ready to show up this weekend. How about our friends in Marin County? Second year in a row that there's a state game at San Marin High School under the lights. I got a chance to experience that last year. If you get a chance to go to that, go to that. It is fun. McClyman, Santa Rosa Valley, those guys are going to travel south as well. The reason that we have big-time atmospheres at this time of the year is because of the support behind these teams. So we got to shout out the families and the fans for their part in making high school football what it is, and we will see you all. Well, first we'll see you on Thursday, but then we'll see you all Friday and Saturday in Mission Viejo. Couldn't have said it better. So I'm excited for the week. I'm looking forward to getting back on Thursday and uh, we'll take a deeper dive into some of these games uh, that are coming up on Friday and Saturday. Uh, and until then, we will talk to you guys Thursday. Brock Purdy greater than Tua Tunga Vailoa? Oh, hot take. <laughs> no, not really.